For the rest of you older children, we are in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah. If you have a hard time finding it, it will be up on the screens. Don't worry. Zechariah chapter, we're going to be looking at chapters 10 and 11 in their totality, but right now we're going to start with the first three verses of chapter 10. Zechariah chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Hear now God's word for you, his people. He says, Ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain, from the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain to everyone, the vegetation in the field. For the household gods utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and they give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. My anger is hot against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders. For the Lord of hosts cares for his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them like his majestic steed in battle. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Sometimes uh, children pretend to be different animals. Uh, if you come to my house at any given time, you might see my daughter uh, on all fours pretending to be a frog and yelling ribbit all over the house. On another occasion, you might see my son running as fast as he possibly can because he's pretending to be a cheetah. I imagine other children pretend to be other animals as well, bears, lions, alligators. One I've never heard is sheep. I've never seen a child pretend to be a sheep, partly because sheep can't really do anything. They don't have any defense mechanisms. They don't have sharp claws. They don't have quills like a porcupine. They can't growl like a lion. They can't chomp like an alligator. They can't run fast like a cheetah. They can't even hop or ribbit like a frog. They're not fast, they're not strong, they don't have any way of defending themselves, and left to themselves, they wander off, which is why they need a shepherd. You don't really need that with moose, moose and meese, however you say it, moose, mooses, or lions, or sharks. They don't really need shepherds, gatherers, protectors. They can take care of themselves, but sheep need a shepherd to care for them, to guide them, to protect them. Now, we are not literally sheep, and yet God's people are called sheep all throughout Scripture because we also need guidance. We need protection. Left to our own, we are prone to wander. So when you hear that word shepherd this morning, and you will hear it a lot, don't always think of someone out in the field with a beard and a staff. Ask yourself instead, when you're feeling lost, what helps you find your way? That's your shepherd. When you're feeling down, who brings you up? That's also your shepherd. Because the question is not, do you have a shepherd? But rather, who shepherds you? So this morning, we're going to look at where bad shepherds lead us. 
We're also going to see why bad shepherds lead us. And finally, how the good shepherd leads us. So if you have your Bibles or if you look up on the screen, we're starting right at verse 1. The chapter begins by God telling the people, Ask rain from me in the season of spring rain from the Lord who makes the storm clouds and he will give them showers of rain to everyone, the vegetation in the field. In a farming society where you do have shepherds and farmers, rain didn't just keep your lawn green. It was necessary. Without rain, the average Joe doesn't have money or food to feed his family. And the Lord is emphasizing that this life-giving rain, this necessary thing, comes from him. If we follow and obey God, he leads us to life. And yet, so often we try to acquire life and happiness from other sources, other shepherds. For the Israelites, you can see some of those sources in verse 2. You can see they have household gods. They have diviners who see visions and dreams. But where do they lead us? Well, the household gods utter nonsense. That's a strong word. I won't get into it. Look it up. It's fun. The diviners see lies. What they tell you is not true, just like the dreams that they prophesy. And everything they tell you is but empty consolation. Now, we don't literally have household statues of gods, do we? At least not in this country. But what do we have? We have money. And no matter how many stories we hear of extremely wealthy people not being satisfied with all their wealth, we still think to ourselves, man, if I only had a little bit more, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be secure. Then I could be generous. Then I could obey the Lord. We don't have diviners, but we have news anchors and streamers and podcasters. And they give us the false hope that if we simply vote the right people in, read the right books, give just the right amount of money to the right organization, then we will go where we need to go. We think that if we do well in sports or get good grades or finally eat right and exercise or buy all those storage bins and get our house organized, then... We'll be happy. But these things don't lead us where we need to go. That's why we see at the end of verse 2 that the people wander like sheep. On account of all these things, on account of not asking rain from the Lord, but from these household gods and diviners, the people wander aimlessly like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a good shepherd. Make no mistake, whatever we allow to lead us is our shepherd, whether it's a flag, a fad, or our feelings. That is our shepherd. And when bad shepherds lead us, it always eventually leads to the same consequences. Nonsense, lies, and empty consolation. And sometimes it's really hard to see that for ourselves. It's really hard to see the consequences of our actions in the moments because sin where bad shepherds lead us, often feels good in the moment. It feels right. That's why we do it. And so sometimes the most loving thing you can do for others and for yourself is to look ahead. Look to the end. Delay what you're doing now and take a peek down the road. And that's what God does for us in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. The Lord reveals the end path 
for these shepherds, for these leaders. And he does it in poetic form. Oh, open your doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour your cedars. Wail, Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen, for the glorious trees are ruined. Wail, oaks of Bashan, for the thick forest, the thick forest has been felled. All these pillars, all these symbols of strength and might are gone. Yes, these bad shepherds seem great now, but their end is ruin. It's like when God told Adam not to eat of the fruit. You remember? He didn't say, he didn't outline all the things, all the bad things that would happen all along the way. He simply looked to the end and he said, you will die. That's what we do, right? With name something, I mean steroids. We don't talk about all the little things that will happen as you take them. We talk about the end, how it will harm your body. We talk about the end. So ask yourself, who shepherds you? What do I look for, for guidance, for encouragement? And as you do, also ask yourself, where does my shepherd lead me? Whoever or whatever your shepherd is, what is the end path of following your heart? What's the end path of seeking money all your life? What's the end path of putting all my energies into my work or even into a good thing like my family? Where does that lead? Though those are many paths, the Lord makes it much simpler in the opening to the book of Psalms. In Psalm chapter 1, he simply states it as two paths. And what the author does is exactly what Zechariah does. He points out not just the present consequences, but the future. And we see after four verses, the author stands at a sort of fork in the road, right? I could go right, I could go left. But as you read Psalm 1, you have to pretend like there's a fog. Like you can't really see all along the end, but uh, pretend there's a drone in the air and you can see what's at the end. You can see what's at the very, very end of each road, and here it is. On account of what you read for the first four verses of Psalm 1, you see, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There are only two paths. The path where God is our shepherd, and the path where anything or anyone else leads us, and guides us. So what is our hope as the people of God? Well, the beginning of our hope is that despite being bad sheep prone to wander, I imagine you're, you're like myself and you are prone to wander. Despite having bad shepherds all around us, we have a good shepherd. Bad shepherds lead us to lies and emptiness, but look where our good shepherd leads us in that seminal psalm, Psalm 23. The people do not wander like sheep because the good shepherd, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we've already seen where that path leads us. Bad shepherds lead us to pain, to lies, to nonsense, to emptiness. The good shepherd leads us to peace and righteousness. Amen. If this is true, 
if you meant that amen, then why do we follow bad shepherds? Because that's where they lead us. We know that, we've been told that, we've read that, we've sung that. So why do we keep doing it? Having seen where bad shepherds lead us, let's look at why bad shepherds lead us. And the short answer is because we allow them to. And maybe as important of a question to ask is, why do bad shepherds sometimes not lead us? And the answer for that we find in chapter 11, verse 6. Because the Lord protects us. Look at verse 6. The Lord says, I will no longer have pity. What does that imply? He has had pity. He has been protecting his people from bad shepherds and bad consequences. But here, enough is enough. And he finally says, for I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land. And I will deliver none of them from their hand, from the hand of their neighbors. Sometimes the Lord protects us in his grace and his compassion from these bad shepherds. And sometimes in his grace and in his compassion and in his wisdom, he gives us over to exactly what we think we want. Why is this happening? Well, because of what Zechariah acts out. Zechariah, if you've read the book of Ezekiel, you kind of know what's happening. Ezekiel acts out what the Lord asked him to do. Zechariah is doing the same thing. He actually takes on the role of God. He's pretending to be God. Don't worry, God ordained it. And, and, and he, he acts out what a good shepherd is like, because a good shepherd is slow to anger, not never to anger. So look at verse 7. Zechariah, in verse 7, says, So I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders, and I took two staffs. One I named Favor, the other I named Union, and I tended the sheep. This picture of the Lord protecting us is, is clearer if you know what the two staffs are. Um, the one, Favor, was what you typically think of when you think of a, a shepherd's staff. It's the candy cane. It's, it's meant to gather the sheep because they are prone to wander, right? If they don't have a fence, they're going to walk right off a cliff. So you have that little hook, the candy cane, and you just you yank them right back in. But the other one, the less famous one, looks more like a, a club. And it's meant to do exactly what it sounds like. to just Not the sheep, don't worry. Uh, to, to club the enemies, right? The wolves, the bears, whatever comes to attack the sheep, no, get away says the good shepherd. And so our Lord not only gathers us in, but he protects us and Zechariah acts this out. But he ends up, if you keep reading chapter 11, he ends up breaking both staffs. Why? Because of what we read in the next verse, verse 8. He said, as I was the shepherd in one month, I destroyed the three shepherds but I became impatient with them and they also detested me. They detested me. That's a strong word. Though God had been patient and given his people his law, his judges, kings, prophets, his salvation, the people wanted or thought they wanted 
to be their own shepherd and to follow bad shepherds. And when we ask that of God, sometimes in his grace, he says, no, you can't have what you want. Just like a good parent whose children want candy cane, candy canes or cotton candy for dinner, you say, no, I will not allow you to have what you want. But sometimes, just like a good parent, God, our Father, says, you think you want that? Okay. And so we read that in verse 9, actually. In verse 9, the Lord, the Lord says, so I said, right, the Lord through Zechariah says, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. Did you know Lady and the Tramp has a sequel? It's called Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure. I don't want to spoil it, but let's be honest, we've all seen it. Uh, so as you know, I'm sure Scamp, he's kind of the oddball, disobedient, more rambunctious little dog. Uh, he he finally gets what he wants towards the end. See, he's, he's free from his parents who are always making him do what they want to do. They're always making him obey. They're always keeping him from, from wandering off and going and doing what he wants. So finally, he escapes and he gets to do what he wants. That's his adventure. And he soon, very, very soon, finds out how ugly the world can be, how deceptive people can be, how self-seeking others are can be, how dangerous the world is. And so after getting tricked and hurt, he finally reunites with his parents and he says this toward the end of the movie. I got all I ever wanted and it stinks. The reason bad shepherds lead us is because we allow them to. We allow them to because we have this sense of unfulfilled desires, this longing for something more, and that's not wrong or bad. What is wrong is what we often do next. We go looking in all the wrong places and to all the wrong shepherds to fill that need. But here's the good news for you, people of God. For all those who trust in Jesus Christ as their good shepherd, we go again to Psalm 23, where we read these fabulous words in verse 5. In the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup. Anyone? Yes. It runs over. It overflows. It's not filled. It's not filled. If your cup was filled, you have a good God. You have a good shepherd. Praise God. Hallelujah. If your cup is only filled. But your God, your good shepherd who loves you and cares for the flock, runs your cup over. You have more than you need. The Hebrew word, if you look it up, actually has undertones of abundance. It is literally more than you need. And if you have everything you need, you don't need a bad shepherd. After you've been to a buffet and you've eaten so much that your pants are tight, no one can tempt you with more food. You're, you're good. I'm done. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to burst, right? If you had $100 trillion, you would not be tempted to rob a bank. Like, there's nothing in it for you. 
I'm good. I have everything I need. Or as Paul writes in Ephesians 1, he writes these words. He says, blessed be the God and Father. I just realized I never put it on the slides. That's my fault. But he says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, his church, his flock, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then as you read Ephesians 1, and I do encourage you to do so, he outlines exactly what those blessings are, what some of those blessings are. Here they are. He chose us to be holy and blameless. He predestined us for adoption. You are sons and daughters of the God of the universe. He redeemed us through Jesus' blood. He forgave us of our sin, and he gave us an imperishable inheritance. Christian, you have all that you need. That is the gospel. That is the good news of having Jesus Christ as your shepherd. We allow bad shepherds to lead us because we think they can give us what we need, but through Jesus Christ, we can confidently proclaim with King David, the words that we find at the beginning of Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, verse 1, we see these words. I encourage you to say them with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is the beautiful, simple truth of the gospel. Because the Lord protects me, guides me, and sustains me, I lack nothing. Amen. So we've seen where bad shepherds lead us. They lead us to lies, to empty consolation, to wandering, to affliction. But the Lord guides his people to still waters, to restoration. We've seen why bad shepherds lead us, because we allow them to. Our sin and our sin nature makes us think that we can find what we need in other sources besides God. But through Jesus, we see that we have everything we need. And so now we're going to look at exactly how the good shepherd, how Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, leads us. The first thing you need to hear about is the Lord's anger, but it might not be the anger that you think. Verse 3, chapter 10 says this, My anger is hot against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders, for the Lord of hosts cares for his flock. It is so important to declare the truth that God is rightfully angry at my sin and the ways in which I choose to do things that I know are wrong. That is important. I am guilty. But it is equally important and equally in Scripture to declare the truth that God is also angry when we are sinned against. God is angry at bad leaders and bad leadership. God is God is angry, not just when we succumb to temptation, but when others tempt us. God is angry at that. We need to hear that. The Lord sees when his people are mistreated and abused. And not only does he care and weep with you, he does something about it. That's my shepherd. That's the God of the Bible. He punishes those leaders, those shepherds. Why? Because the Lord of hosts the Lord who commands angelic armies cares for you. He cares for his little flock of sheep, even when his sheep reject the shepherd. That's why we continue to read in verse 4 how he cares. And he says, from him, from God, from the Lord of hosts shall come the cornerstone. From him shall come the tent peg. 
From him, the battle bow, from him, every ruler, all of them together. Really quick, the cornerstone is a, is a picture of, of strength and sturdiness. It was the first and strongest piece in the foundation of a building. The, the tent peg is similar, but it's slightly different. It's a picture of stability, right? It's what keeps the tent from flying away when harsh winds blow. It keeps you steady. The battle bow, they didn't have machine guns and, and, and tanks. So the battle bow was the symbol of, of uh, army, battle power, might. All of these we find in Christ. Because the, when the Lord says in verse 5, these words, that they shall fight because the Lord is with them. That's not an empty promise. That's not a purely spiritual in my heart thing. That's a real thing. That really happened. He really actually physically fulfilled that promise. Because we know the truth that God the Father, the Good Shepherd, sent, and sent us His Son, Emmanuel, the Good Shepherd. And this is what the Good Shepherd says in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, I wish we had time to read the whole thing, but here we go. Verses 11, starting in verse 11. He says plain as day, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How does the good shepherd lead us? He lays down his life. And then he contrasts that with bad shepherds. He said, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd sees the wolf coming for the sheep. And instead of protecting them, instead of laying down his life, he leaves. He runs away. And so the enemies, the wolves, can come in, snatch them, and scatter the sheep. Why does he run away? Well, he, he flees because he is a hired hand and he doesn't care. For the sheep. These bad, these bad shepherds in Zechariah, all the bad shepherds that we so easily run to in our lives, they, they do not have our best interest in mind. That's the truth. They utter lies. They utter nonsense. They give false, empty consolation. If you start losing money, money will not run back to you. Money has no affection for you. That fitness guru is not going to drive to your home when you open a bag of potato chips. You can buy their DVDs and their workout plans and their diet plans, but there's not going to be any sort of reciprocation, any care, any protection. When you get to a stage of life where you can't play sports as well as you used to, the sport's not going to come crying back for you. Your glory days are gone. <laughs> By contrast... By contrast, the good shepherd says this in verses 27 and 28 of that same chapter. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Uh, in our home, we have one of those uh, government listening devices. Um, we call ours Alexa. Uh, and you know kids, they're constantly trying to, they're constantly trying out things and they just do what you do, say what you say. And so when they hear us say, you know, Alexa, what's, what's the weather? And Alexa tells us, uh, they try that out. What's interesting is that Alexa can't 
yet understand my daughter's voice. Um, and it's not for lack of trying. So sometimes it's enunciation, right? Uh, Alexa, play Heto Lot Anointed. So Alexa can't pick that up. She's saying, play Hail to the Lord's Anointed. I know what she's saying. Sometimes it's, it's communication, right? Alexa, play the fun song. Alexa has no idea what the fun song is. I know exactly what she's talking about. She's talking, she's talking about Colombia Mi Encanto from the movie Encanto. I know exactly what she's talking about. But she doesn't stop trying. She keeps yelling, screaming louder and louder, more desperate with each attempt, trying to get Alexa to understand her. And I fear some of you are crying out with the same desperation to things that do not recognize your voice. We pour ourselves out into our work and ask it to give us purpose and fulfillment, but then we retire and we find that it doesn't recognize all the effort and sacrifice we put in. Within weeks or months, they've moved on. They've hired new people. They're just fine. We give our lives to what we believe is a worthy cause, like a certain political party or charitable organization. And we give our time and our money and we read all the books, but in the end, they can't protect us. They can't protect us from the dangers of this world and the sin in our heart. We cry out to bad shepherds and they don't respond because as we read in chapter 11, verse 16, this kind of bad shepherd does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young, or heal the maimed, or nourish the healthy, but they devour the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hooves. They do not have your best interest in mind. But what's interesting about listening to my daughter trying to communicate with Alexa is that her parents know exactly what she's saying. I know exactly what, I know exactly what that means. I know exactly what the fun song is. And every time that happens, I'm reminded that my good shepherd knows me. He knows my voice. He cares for me. But we don't stop there, right? I don't, I don't just listen to my daughter struggling and go, oh, I know what she means. And walk away, right? I first recognize, oh, I know what she means. And then I translate. I communicate for her. And so on this, on this Pentecost Sunday, when the church remembers how the good shepherd sent us his spirit, it's a good reminder that our good shepherd not only sent us his son, he not only hears us, but he sent his spirit to intercede on our behalf and translate for us. So as we read in Romans chapter 8, we hear these beautiful, comforting, shepherd-like words. Paul reminds us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In the same way that my daughter groans and tries to desperately get Alexa to understand her, the Holy Spirit of God is interceding for you, child of God. He's crying out to you so that when you ask for money, more money to buy more stuff, the Spirit translates, Lord, make him content with what he has. When you are crying out for your circumstances to change, the Spirit translates, Lord, calm her anxious heart. Help him to trust you more. 
Because Jesus, only Jesus, the good shepherd, can give us what we need. And in Jesus, we do have everything we need. Amen. So pray with me as we go to our good shepherd. I'll let the musicians come up first. Yes, sorry. Thank you. Join me as we pray to our good shepherd through the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. Dear God, you are our good shepherd. Remind us of that. Gather us in with one hand when we wander away and protect us with your other staff when enemies try to deceive us and tempt us and lure us away. Remind us that only you satisfy, that only you have our best interest in heart and help us through our trust, through our confidence and our peace and our assurance to lead others uh, to that same realization that only you, our good shepherd, lead us to life. We pray this in the name of our shepherd who loves us and guides us and restores us.